the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Grace Church, Dumfries, Virginia. Grace Church, real people, real lives. Grace Church, real lives, real change. Grace Church, real people, real lives, real change. Hello, and welcome to Grace for Today. You can always visit us online at gracechurchva.org to hear this message and much more. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's teaching. I'm going to pray for you. Father, open eyes, cause us to see. And we give you all the honor for what you accomplished here today. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day. It was three days since the most painful experience in these two people's lives. The man who was crucified was, was a man that claimed to be Messiah, and he was beaten like a common criminal. All of his disciples had gone into hiding, afraid that perhaps the same thing might happen to them if the authorities found him. So these two are, are running to their hideaway, and they go into a village called Emmaus, which literally means warm spring. It was a beautiful area and probably the home of one of these two disciples. The Bible says it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They needed to get away from the events of those past three days to start putting their lives back together again. And as they walked toward home, I'm sure that their hearts sank and they thought about facing their families and and their friends because the carpenter from Galilee that they had so vigorously defended and loved had been tried and declared a fraud publicly before the whole nation. And I'm sure there was a sense of shame, a sense of regret, and in their mind they had lots of questions. How could this happen to such a good man. And in verse 14, it says, and they walked or they talked together. You know, you, you shouldn't miss the small consolations of, of Scripture because though they were hurting, at least they had each other. And you know, you may not be able to talk to everybody, but thank God he gives everybody at least one person to talk to. Matter of fact, some scholars even say that this was a married couple. So this might have been a man and a woman walking on this journey. So it says, so they talked together of all these things which had happened. Things that they could not quite wrap their heads around. Things that they could not quite understand. And it was a situation that broke each and both of their hearts. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. 
these men were dealing with, or this man and this woman, this couple, were dealing with very, very difficult and thorny issues. Again, how could such a bad thing happen to such a good person? And by the way, if God let that happen to him, what might he let happen in my life? So, I mean, they, they, they were having a tough time, and they, they were trying to make sense of all that had happened. And then the Bible says something that's really surprising to a lot of us. It says, and while they conversed and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. Notice Jesus did not just draw near to those who believed. He drew near to believers who thought. And we have to learn to use our head by, for, for more than just a hat rack. So there's nothing wrong with trying to think through where you are in life and what just happened in life. And, and he didn't say at this point, you know what, I'm not concerned about your feelings. I, I, I'm not considering your thoughts. But he drew near to thinking people that were grappling with real life issues. And what I want to say to you today, if you're grappling with issues, God's not saying, well, you know what, you're contaminated with unbelief. You know what, I, I, I'm not going to mess with somebody that, uh, until you get it all straightened out, I'm going to leave you to yourself. Jesus drew near to people with questions. And the Bible continues, it says, and he went with them. He will not abandon you just because you have some questions. He will not abandon you just because there's some things you haven't quite ironed out in your thinking. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't trust people who think they know everything. In fact, they annoy me. But Scripture says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Grief has a way of muddling our perspective. These men were so shaken they couldn't see God, though God was looking them dead in the face. And there are events in life that can happen that can so shake you that you could barely imagine God, much less see him if he was standing there. And Jesus walks up in the midst. He knows everything that's happening. He's knowing what's, he knows what's going through each mind. And he speaks to them and, and he says this, he says, what kind of conversation is this? And actually, in the language here, you can see that there's a little bit of what's wrong with you in his tone. He's like, what's, what, what kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and are so sad? Jesus will walk with us in the midst of our difficult times but also know that a real friend will ask you hard questions even when you're hurting it in the middle of it. And, and Jesus is a friend that's taken closer than the brother. And he don't play nice for anybody. God is God. And he's not somebody's patsy. And, and in this situation, these are his disciples. These are his boys that he had trained. So, so he comes up on them and, and, and he's saying, you know, What's going on with you two today? What, what, what's your problem? What, what's your issue? Did y'all take ugly pills this morning? What's going on was Jesus' attitude. But he's not doing this out of anger. What he's trying to do is snap them out of their grief. And sometimes a drowning person will drown you too if you let them. Sometimes you got to smack them. I've heard stories where they cold cocked the guy that was drowning just to bring him to shore. 
And sometimes God has to smack us in the middle of our grief so we can kind of snap out of it. But what happens here is one wise comment leads to another. So Jesus kind of gets involved and, and, and he seems to kind of be smart alecky about his question. So the disciples here respond in kind. Let's watch it. So then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Basically, you live under a rock somewhere. Mama raised you in a cave. I mean, what, what is it that you don't know why we're sad? Everybody in Jerusalem, everybody surrounding Jerusalem knows what just happened. He said, are you the only stranger around here? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? He's saying, listen, it's been on CNN. All the radio stations have been interrupted. I mean, Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram have photos of it. And, and you know, the, the Internet is blowing up. And you talk about why are we looking sad? But Jesus has the inside story. Watch what he said, verse 19. Jesus is something else. He's like none other. He looked him in the face without laughing or smiling. And he said, what things? You see, when we get smart with God, God has a way of playing dumb. And he does that often to bait us into revealing our real feelings. He didn't want little pat response and pat answers from God. He wanted these guys to reveal their hearts. So he got them a little annoyed, so they let their guard down and say what's really going on on the inside. So they now respond to him. And they respond to him properly. They say, well, what's got us so down in the face is these things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was. It wasn't going well for these boys. They just called the great I am he who was. He said, for he was a prophet. So not only did they confine him to the past, now they downgraded him from Messiah to just prophet. He said, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, meaning no one could deny his power. But have you ever experienced a disappointment so painful in life that it shrunk your theology? This was a situation for these, these men. They're like, we have a problem so big, even God can't fix it. So I have to change my concept of God. I got to rearrange this thing to make it fit my problem. And that's what many of us do. We take God off his throne. And sometimes we put our situation on the throne. We enlarge the circumstance and the pain and we get stuck in the pain that we miss the God that's bigger than any pain, any hurt, any disappointment, anything in your life that you could experience. God remains large. But again, they shrunk Jesus to just another good teacher, maybe even a prophet. But they couldn't admit at this juncture he was the son of God. Verse 21, watch this. And they're revealing their hearts. But we were hoping, past tense, meaning they're not hoping anymore. 
We were hoping that it was he, meaning I lost my hope in Jesus. How many of you ever lost your hope in Jesus? How many of you ever had something happen so terrible it didn't fit into your theology? It didn't fit in what you believe could happen to a righteous person. You didn't believe that after all your Bible going and, and your God loving that such a thing could happen in your life. This is what happened to these two disciples. So Jesus had to join them on the road. He said, but we were hoping, we used to go to church. We used to believe, we used to look into the book. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We believed in God and I believed he could fix it, but he didn't. It didn't look, you know, when, when I look back on it, God, uh, it makes no sense. If, if you are God, how could you let that happen to me? How could you break my heart so? How could you, how could someone so good be beaten so hard? How could you let us watch something so gruesome? How could that happen if God is really God? They were troubled. They were perplexed. But Jesus is still standing there. He said, indeed, besides all of this today, it's the third day since these things happened. But didn't Jesus say over and over and over again? Maybe even a dozen times that he would die. And on the third day, you can't let the past blind you from your future. In fact, let's read one of those passages, just so you know that I'm not just giving you my opinion. Matthew 20 and verse 18. You can't say it clearer than Jesus told these, these disciples. Behold, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be backstabbed and betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to what? Death. They're going to kill me. Can it be any straighter than that? And they're going to deliver me to the Gentiles or, or to the Romans to mock, scourge, and crucify. He predicted every event. He predicted the beating. He predicted the mocking when they put the, the, the robe on him and said, if you're the son of God, you know, uh, tell us which one punched you in the face. That's exactly what was happening there. But his disciples wouldn't hear it. He's still talking. He said, all that's going to happen, but on the third day. You see, the problem is you let that event define you, but you put a period in the wrong place in the sentence. That event was supposed to be a comma. And if you live long enough, if you wait long enough after three days... No matter how bad things went wrong, God can get it back up again. That's the gospel message. This is why we're in church. This is what we believe. This is why we believe in Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? He is the resurrection and the life. He can get any area of your life back up again. But you got to get through the three days. You can't quit on your journey. Matter of fact, in John 16 and verse... 33, Jesus says this. is real plain. 
See, a lot of folks think, well, I gave my life to Jesus and everything's supposed to be hunky-dory for the rest of my life. I'm never supposed to, you know, bump into everything. My marriage is supposed to drop out of heaven and my kids are supposed to just sing hallelujah, you know, as they come home and, and Thanksgiving just supposed to be a perfect meal. No, 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 no. That's not in this book. Let me tell you what's in the book. In the world. How many of y'all are still in the world? All right. In the world, you will have tribulation. If we want to say that in a modern way, stuff happens. <laughs> but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Meaning if you hang in there, there will be a third day. There will be a getting up again. But you got to go through your Friday to get to Sunday. You got to go through midnight to get to morning. You got to go through the problem to, to get to the place of promise. That's just what the Bible teaches. Luke 24 and 22. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. You hear me say this almost every year. First, it was women who preached the resurrection. So who are we to try to stop them 2,000 years later? I'm preaching good. When they did not find his body, this is important. The tomb of Jesus is the only tomb in the world that's famous for what's not there. That helped me more in the second service, I'm sure. But that was shouting ground. When they did not find the body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive like he done said he'd be. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found a stone rolled away. Some clothes neatly laying there, meaning that, you know, the body had to pass through the clothes. And if it was thieves, you know, they'd be in a rush. But everything was all neat and all the rest. And they found it just as the women said. Why is it the sisters, though, that always seem to know things before we do? <laughs> it hasn't changed. It just hasn't changed. Verse 25. Then he said to him, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all, that's important, in all that the prophets have spoken. You see, the problem is they were only willing to believe parts of the scripture. They were only willing to believe the parts of what Jesus said they were comfortable with. Matter of fact, they're like many of us in this room today. I'm okay with the Bible as long as it doesn't challenge my lifestyle. I'm okay with the Bible as long as they don't ask me to give anything or give up anything. 
I'm okay with all that church stuff, but don't you dare put a demand on me. Don't you dare talk about there's going to be trouble for a moment and I got to wait till morning. No, no, no. I want Santa Claus. I, I want a genie in the bottle. I want someone I can call on, be, you know, uh, right on the spot and, and give me what I need and what I want when, when I want it. That's what that type of God I'm looking for. But here's the deal. The problem is, if God succumbed to your every whim, you would be God. So the reality is many of us don't really want a God. We want to be Lord of our own lives. So here we have these disciples. These disciples picking and choosing what they're going to believe. So I, I, I really like the part, you know, give it, it shall be given a good message. I, I got that one, but, but this thing that, you know what, you're going to die and, and I might die, take up your cross. Well, nah, 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 I'll leave that. I'm, I'm not going to preach on that. I'm not going to read that part. I'm going to skip over to the part that when I die, I'll go to heaven. I'm going I'm to skip to the part that, you know what, uh, uh, all uh, uh, the uh, Noah's family was saved, you know what, so all my family's going to be saved. But, but, but you know, I, I'm, I'm going to just look at, I'm going to, I'm a, I'm a, matter of fact, I'm not going to look at the Bible. I'm going to buy a promise, a, a promise book. Yeah, I'm preaching better than you saying amen right now. And, and what, what they do, I'm going to have an author that put together all the best scriptures. I'm going to read them to myself, quote them out loud and all the rest, and then I'm going to find a church. Those are the only scriptures they preach from. But this is what Jesus has to say to you. Ought not. And this, this didn't happen out of the air somewhere. It wasn't that I got jumped while I was in Jerusalem and it just kind of happened. I mean, didn't Isaiah talk about this? Didn't the psalmist talk about this? Wasn't it prophesied, you know, Zechariah? Wasn't it prophesied throughout the old, old Testament? Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? You guys have cut out parts of the whole Bible. Whole books. In fact, y'all ignored the whole meaning of the sacrificial system just to suit your purposes. Tell me, guys, and I know you don't like this and this don't, might not fit in with your theology, but, but tell me, why did Father Abraham go up Mount Moriah and, and he did it to sacrifice his son Isaac? But then he brought Isaac back down from the mountain. Does that not represent the Father God representing the, the Jesus Christ being sacrificed on the cross? And by the way, didn't Isaac carry his wood like I carried that cross up that mountain? And then when he was on that mountain, was there not a ram in the bush? Am I not the ram of God taking the sin of the world? Am I not your substitute? He said, now in your Bible that you know so well. Now wasn't Joseph rejected by his own brothers? Didn't they tell daddy Jacob that he was dead? And then he went into slavery and then from slavery into prison. And then after he got out of prison, he became number two. And then the brothers bowed. Didn't I say that rejection precedes exaltation? Is this some foreign idea that I concocted? 
was not Jonah three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Was not the son of man three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. He said, I could go on and on and on and on. But if I said one more, didn't innocent Job suffer? No fault of his own. But by the end of the book, didn't he get twice back everything stolen? Yeah, they took my mortal life, but God raised me up in immortal life. More than twice as good and powerful as I've ever been. Ought not the Christ have suffered and then enter his glory? The prophets predicted that there'd be pain in the process of redemption. No pain, no glory. No pain, no gain. And then he said, in beginning with Moses, this is important. Moses wrote Genesis, so from Genesis to Malachi. In all the prophets, he expounded to them some of the things I just began to mention to. He said, you know what? You know that Passover lamb is an innocent lamb. Lamb ain't did nothing to nobody. But it was killed. And the blood was put on the door. And the death angel passed over. Do you know that that pointed to me? That y'all supposed to be going to hell. Y'all supposed to, death and Hades supposed to be grabbing hold of you. But because of my blood, because of my sacrifice, the innocent lamb of God. And when you put me on the doorpost of your life, all of death got to pass you by. You understand what I'm saying? We pray you were blessed by today's teaching. Bishop and Pastor Greer also invite you to worship with us here at Grace Church on Sunday or Wednesday. We are just minutes from Potomac Mills and Quantico Marine Base. For a full list of service times, directions, free downloads, and more, visit us at gracechurchva.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Grace Church VA. That's Grace Church VA. We look forward to seeing you here at Grace Church, where we are real people with real lives, experiencing real change. Grace Church and Derek Greer Ministries thanks all of our friends and partners for your commitment and loving support. Your giving helps us continue to reach people and change lives all over the world. And together, we are making a difference. Join us tomorrow as Dr. Greer continues this message here on Grace for Today. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.